Alright girls and boys, the pairings are done and the rounds are up. C4 Squad presents the Rounds Are Up podcast, an AMG podcast to get you gaming, chatting, learning, hanging out, and perhaps even hosting some of your awesome rounds of Legion, Armada, X-Wing, MCP, Shatterpoint, and more. My name is Adam, and I'm going to be your host for today. And with me, as always, is my co-host. And Curtis Coggins here. Real keen to chat about all the events that have happened over the weekend, all of the fun times with our buddies. And uh, yeah, got myself a win at Imperial March. I think I did a bit better than someone else. Yep, uh, Daniel Downey here, aka State Champ, also the latest recipient of the Great Wooden Spoon Award. <laughs> uh, fantastic C4 event this past weekend. Uh, lots of Legion to be had. Yeah, so for those who don't know, the C4 squad put on the Imperial March Tournament, a 16-player standard Legion tournament uh, up on the Central Coast. And I'm going to say it, boys, I think it was our best event ever. Oh, 100%. Let me, um, let me tell you guys what we've got on for today. So first we're going to hit the news, and then we're actually going to talk about the event. We're going to talk about leading, what we did, the decisions we made leading up to the event. We're going to talk about during the event and then the post-event post kind of thing. And then we're going to go back to our segment that we really need a name to, getting Curtis off the bottom of the ELO ranking table for Legion. Uh, I've also got some... I'm going to put out some pretty good names for that today, guys. But first, let's hear from Daniel, and what have you got for us to plug? Got lots of Seaboard happening over the next couple of months. Uh, not just Legion. We've got MCP. We've got our beginner event coming up March 26th. Uh, we did originally have a player cap of six because it was just a small beginner event. We just wanted to keep it nice and small and uh, give the new players an opportunity to get some one-on-one uh, -on -one experience with some of the uh, the people that were organizing the event. But we've actually had a new addition uh, join us for the event. We've got local MCP legend, Mitchell Cat. Uh, he's going to be joining us. Yeah. So we're going to have a fantastic time in March playing some MCP. And then not even like to go beyond that as well. We've got Shatterpoint as well in June, uh, June 3rd. Fantastic. That's our launch event for Shatterpoint. Really looking yeah. forward to getting my hands on the game and running some learn to play things while we're learning to play. You know, the rule book will definitely be out for that. And yeah, I think main... it's going to be a great event. And we're going to, we'll have uh, Rick as well. He's coming up for the event. So it's been a while since we've seen the games bandit. And uh, it'll be great to catch up with him and have a few drinks with uh, everyone joining us for the new event. 100%. After our main topic today as well, we've got some listener questions, which I'm looking forward to getting to. But before we get to all that, Curtis, what's been happening with AMG this week? Um, look, so far, it's looked like they've, they've slowed down a little bit. They're getting ready for Worlds. They've announced a bunch of um, the streamers that they're going to use. So you can go visit their Facebook page if you really want to find out who's streaming what in terms of Adepticon. But uh, they've released some little teasers along with Shatterpoint currently. They've put out some information regarding stances, which is a new mechanic. 
regarding the player cards. So the cards are rumored, well, they've released and teased that they're going to be two-sided. They've only shown us one side of the card so far, though. And that side of the card talks about uh, combat trees, which for someone who enjoys RPG-type video games, I'm really, really keen on something like that that allows a character to evolve through a match. So that sounds really exciting, but there's more to come on that probably after they do their demos at Worlds. They have released their processes and their ability for people to sign up for demos at Worlds. I'm really keen to hear how many of the Aussie guys try to get in on that, give it a go and come back with some great info for us because that's what we'd love to hear. We'd love to hear that firsthand info about, guys, this is how it plays, but they're limiting it to only about 30 minutes worth of game time for those demos. So not enough to play a full game, but enough to get that taste and really want to get into it. Yeah, 100%. And on the, on the word of the streamers just before, I think it's an absolute masterstroke by MNG to bring in the community to do it. Previously, FFG would try their hand and they haven't got the hours or they haven't got what I would call the reps to do it very well. And now, you know, these guys have realized that, look, while they're good at streaming and they do have a fantastic, you know, Twitch channel and they do a lot of things online, they've said, look, these guys do it every week, every two weeks, every month. Let's just get them involved. Like, you know, they know the rules better than us. So, yeah, that's that's you know, big, big props. And I think that's what's going to be really good for the new players as well, being like, hey, watch some Worlds. What's some Worlds Amada? What's some Worlds X-Wing? What's some Worlds Legion? Very keen for that. Yeah, really excited for it. They've, uh, they've spoiled a little bit more as well, and I'm not sure about this because this is a really interesting one. They spoiled a new Ahsoka wallpaper art. Now, we noticed when AMG started taking over, releasing their boxes for Legion, they started removing the instruction manuals from the box. And as a person who got in on Dinjarin and the IG assassination droid duo, you open the box, you go to set it all up and you're like, oh, where's my, my instructions? How do, how do I put these things together? Because I've got so many parts for two different droids and there were no instructions. And a lot of people, there was a lot going around social media. What they'd done is they'd included a QR code, which took you to digital instructions. But in place of the instructions, they had what was some really cool artworks on the reverse side of the page. But it's really interesting. They've taken this really artistic approach and they've still got the same amount of paper in the box, but they've changed what it does to try and enhance people's feelings uh, what do you guys reckon about the idea of replacing the hard copy instructions with the digital version but giving us artworks instead what's what's your view on that one dan i feel like um i feel like it was maybe a misplay like if they wanted to cut back on like paper and everything i could understand that but they like you said they're still using the same paper they've just replaced it with a qr code um I didn't do it, but maybe there's a person out there that has built their IG-88 droid with four legs or four arms because they they don't have those instructions anymore. So <laughs> it is a possibility. <laughs> what about you, Adam? I love it. I absolutely love it. 
as someone who's in IT, having the ability to say, these instructions are bad, let's update those and then send them to the link that's already on the QR code. I think it's fantastic from a development point of view, being able to handle the messaging and not just print it and go, well, I hope that's okay. I hope people understand it. Because if you remember some of the old FFG how-to guides or instructions, they were pretty much, here's the parts and here's the finished product. Uh, good luck. So no, I, I think it's a good idea. Look, the art, I can take it or leave it. Like it is a folded piece of paper. So it's not like I'm going to put on my wall and go, oh, look at those creases. But I do love that they are bringing a little bit of that art and showing them their kind of side of things as well. Yeah, yeah, I think it's net net positive. So from what we see, we're probably going to be expecting quite a bit of that coming through with the Shatterpoint gear. They've told us they're going to take that really artistic approach. They want to try and bring a little bit of that personalized wow factor, not just with paint jobs, obviously, the way that people decorate, set up their minis in general, but it looks like they're going to take this approach as well. Continuing on from that, something that was a bit fresh, but continuing on, what are we expecting from Worlds? What are we expecting AMG to do at Worlds? We know that X-Wing is at a point in time where the community would really love something a little bit new. They're not looking for drastic changes, but they are looking for something to bring a little bit of buzz to the game, get people back on their toes again. I've spoken to a few people from Legion as well, and while they're really happy with the game and they're happy with the new minis that are coming out, the new troops, etc., a couple of people have said that they also would be pretty keen on even just one extra deployment, one extra condition, one extra objective card, just to spice it up a bit, bring something new, change up how people build and think about their armies as well. Uh, what do you think about those sort of concepts, Adam, moving forwards and thinking about what they could do to just bring a bit of, bit of zest, not change the game, but bring a bit of zest back to it? Okay, so I think there's two questions there. So what am I expecting at Worlds? Shatterpoint. I'm expecting to hear nothing about the other games. I hope we do, but I'm expecting to hear nothing and just Shatterpoint, Shatterpoint, Shatterpoint. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be pretty heavy shadow point for the next few months. On the flip side of that though, yeah, I'd love to see some new deployments for Legion. I'd love to hear about some reprinting of old ships for X-Wing. I'd love to hear about some more print and plays for Amada. The only thing they seem to have in the pipeline at the moment is MCP gear, which is understandable. Uh, but I think mainly it's gonna be, here's shadow point, here's the first wave of shadow point. Here's the second wave of Shatterpoint, maybe? Question mark? What are you, Big D? Um, yeah, I would be uh pretty keen to see more of the Star Wars Legion. Um, I remember looking back, and I can't remember the name of the expansion, but it's the one that came with the payload, uh, the hostage exchange, supply drop. When that when that released, that just it really shook up the battle deck. Like before, it was just like everyone's got the same battle deck game after game it was it was pretty much all you all the same but after that dropped like cis that got their bombing run they love that now uh payload there's this there's so many different archetypes that can take on these different uh objectives and it's really interesting to see uh curtis what do you think so i suppose my next question to both of you is 
if you could pick a type of objective or deployment or condition, pick one of those three, what would you love to see something new for? If you could only pick one of those three, what one would you love to see a new and very different card for? Objective. <laughs> I, I think the conditions are fine. I think the deployments are actually good. I think there's a really good mix of them. But yeah, just give us some more objectives. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think objectives as well. Um, deployments would be nice as well, and conditions, really all three. Um, because a lot of the time when you are building a pretty standard legion list you kind of fall back to those safe options like major offensive advanced positions um it would be nice to see more variety but at the same time like yeah objectives definitely really shake it up the most <laughs> in saying all that though the two kits that amg have launched the diagnoga and the dynamic exit both had different deployments and different ways to play and me personally didn't like them. And I understand they, were, they weren't focused on being competitive or maybe even balanced. But I don't want to see anything like that in the standard 800-point game. I, I don't think there's a place for them. Maybe the deployments, but see what happens. Yeah, after playing it with other people, there were certain parts of that particular scenario. As fun as it was to play, really enjoyed it, loved the idea of two different armies the the way the objective played out and then also the army structure just felt a little bit biased to one side and we did get a little bit of data out of the small play group that we had and we obviously saw that the red player was by far the more superior player majority of the time because of the army advantage they had i think based off both of you guys, Dan and Adam, you guys, to me, are veterans in Legion, been around far longer than I've been around X-Wing and Legion combined. And just hearing how you guys talk about a new objective just makes it sound like potentially, even without a points change, changing up an objective deck just by one card in each of the three areas could completely change the way people build armies and might even fix some different things and even it out where people see too much power in one thing, an objective may swing it. For example, Blizzard Force. Maybe, Adam, you've got something to say about Blizzard Force, possibly. Uh, look, I've got nothing to say about Blizzard Force, Curtis. <laughs> nah. I think the problem with objectives is there are... They've kind of been solved, for lack of a better term. So Hostage Exchange, when it first came out, and not knowing that Force Users and Force Push were the best things for it, that was heaps of fun because it was kind of learning the objective. But now it's, well, I've got a Force User, I'm including Hostage. Um, and on the flip side, Bombing Run is, okay, well, I've got speeder bikes, I can go faster than my opponent, I want to include bombing run. Payload is a good example of one that's on the fence at the moment because it recently got a big nerf. Now, now the payload is not able to go over high, any height terrain. It has to can only go over things that it's smaller than. So it makes the path much more important. And peop, some people are saying, "Look, I'm not going to bring it to a tournament because maybe I get a bad table and I've lost the game." 
where other people I've heard it say, I'm definitely bringing it to a tournament. So, look, yeah, definitely new objectives will be a lot of fun, and I think we should make this a topic. We've been going on about it during the news segment. I think we've been killing it. <laughs> but I would love to move on to our actual topic of the day, and that's our Imperial March event that C4 put on on Saturday, the 11th of March, up on the Central Coast. And I really want to talk to you boys about kind of what went in, what was involved in getting ready for the day and then on the day and then post. So planning for the event started right after CanCon. So me and Daniel were driving back from CanCon and we're talking about our next event and we kind of decided that March was the best day. Give it a nice big gap between the biggest event in Australia and, and our upcoming event. So really just started there and Daniel started off with the marketing. Daniel, I'm pretty sure you came up with a name. Um, there, were, there were a few names uh, in the lot, but I think, yeah, we all decided Imperial March. <laughs> it For a Star Wars event, you couldn't do any better, right? <laughs> no, there's, that was perfection for Imperial March. So the space that we use is at the Central Coast Leagues Club. We're attached to their board game subclub. And we're able to use the space that they use for board games for our events. And this was the first time that we've actually bumped up to 16 people. So 16 people means we need eight tables of terrain. So during our sign-up process, we, we actually have like a form people fill in. Their name, are they part of the Facebook group? And do you have a competitive table of terrain? Now, most of the people we sign up, we already know, you know, we know who they are. We, know, we already know their tables. So we, this time I really wanted to focus on getting one table per person. We were almost able to do that. Um, Nick ended up bringing two, but it's two tables that at least up on the coast we haven't seen and a lot of our local players hadn't seen. And looking at the feedback from the event this time, terrain was barely mentioned and things that needed to be worked on. Uh, which was really good. I think we've had we've come a long way in the last six months in in regards to terrain. Do you have any words on the terrain for the day, Curtis? No, I I actually really enjoyed the way the terrain was set out. I felt like each of the three tables I played on well balanced, great height changes, great types of cover. I feel like those sometimes and probably the only thing when it was only one of the three tables I was on did feel a little bit like we were searching for a way to bring light cover into the game because there was a lot of large buildings or barricades and naturally barricades you can't adjust that cover it's in the rule book you have to keep it as heavy cover so uh that, that's probably the only thing but it was only one out of three tables so yeah exactly and it's good to have a, have a nice little mix as well. So we've planned the event, we've, we've picked the day, we've got the space, we've started marketing it, and we've got signups going on. The next thing that we like to focus on is the actual communication. And I'm not sure if we do this well. I've never received any poor feedback about it. This time we actually received a lot of good feedback about it. So what we did this time is we set up a Facebook chat and we gave people information every Friday. So the things that we're trying to communicate to everyone coming is, you know, trying to reiterate, hey, this is the time you need to get here. This is the space we're going to be in. These are the prizes. This is how we're going to set the day up. Anything 
you know, for three or four weeks, just building that little bit of hype as well. Oh, it's Friday. I'm going to hear a bit more about the tournament I'm going to go to. I want to talk a little bit of smack with the boys and girls. You know, hearing, just kind of keeping it in everyone's memory. Um, you know, from anywhere from payment to add yourself to the tournament software to our bounty system. Dan, can you explain our bounty system for the listeners? It was a uh, great little addition that we uh, first implemented last year at our Holly Jolly event. Um, we we try to look for ways to kind of um, give that added little excitement to the to events, and the bounty system was perfect for that. Um, each event would select three players. Um, they can either be like great players, or we might just pick them for fun. Um, this last event, we picked Joel, who's the world champion. So <laughs> shout out to Joel. But uh, yeah, so if you're at the event and you're the first person to beat that player that has a bounty on them, we have a bounty board set up. You strike their name off the board. We call it out for everyone to hear. The bounty has been claimed. And that player then walks away with whatever prize, What what a whatever additional prize that was set up for the event. So this event, um, we decided uh, to go with a Etsy artist who supplied us with some Star Wars dice bags. Well, water token bags. It was great. And the feedback we got about the, the dice bags or the token bags as well was incredible. Considering Holly Jolly, our Christmas Legion event, had Christmas cookies... <laughs> I think it's a big step up to get any sort of gaming tools into the hands of gamers. And when in round two, we had bounty versus bounty in one of the matches. So you knew someone was going to walk away with a bag as well. That was exciting, especially for the boys as well playing. That was really good. Speaking about prizes, how we do our prizes is the two people who go undefeated. We've got 16 players. We're only playing three rounds. We're guaranteed to have two undefeated. Not only do they get a trophy, but they also get a large Games Bandit voucher. And then everything else is random. We have a special prize pool just for the people who brought a table. So they've kind of like incentivized to bring a table or at least rewarded. And then everything else is random. And I love the way that we've done that because it means that you don't have to smash your opponent to get all the, all the different points for the game. You can have nice, relaxing games. You can call them early if you want to when you know it's over. And there's no incentivizers to smash your opponent. Curtis, as a newer player, do you see that at all during an event? Or is that kind of not even realized? Look, for me, when we're going through it the way we go through it, it does. It really makes it much easier to stand there. And it happened twice. There were two games where... I sat there and looked at my opponent and said, do you mind if I make a prediction about how this will end? Both games, they were the winner anyway. But I just said, we can finish early and duck over and grab a quick beverage if you want to, because I don't see me getting out of this. You've done X, Y, Z. How do you see it? And you meet that agreement pretty quickly. And you're right, 100%. If you're at 2-0 and going into the third game, yeah, you're probably going to be thinking about trying to grab those big vouchers at the end of the day because they are quite good. And the trophies, you know, you walk away with something nice as well. But, yeah, when you know it's over, like you said, it, it puts a little less stress on you to just go, 
let's go hang out and chill and chat about what just happened on the table. Our trophies, now that you mentioned it as well, Cogworks Industries creates our trophies for us, uh, led by the famous Curtis Coggins. Uh, and what we do, we actually get everyone to sign the front of them. And I know it doesn't really like mean anything, but when I was getting everyone to sign the trophies, when I was walking around and saying, hey, to sign the trophy for us, sign the trophy for us, people were genuinely excited about it, especially towards the end when they could see everyone else's you know, signatures. I think it's just that little bit special to say, hey, look, I went to a C4 event. I went undefeated because it also says undefeated. So C4, it says undefeated, and it's got everyone's signature on there. I think it's just that little nice little touch. It's not very expensive. You know, we don't want, we want as much money in the prize pool as we can. So we try and go cheaper on the trophies, but it's just a little memento on the day. Speaking about on the day, let's talk about the day. So the day starts when we get there around 8, 8.30 and we're moving all the tables into place, getting all the terrain set up. And I want to do another shout out to Joel. There's going to be a second shout out on the cast. And I've got a feeling Joel's going to get a lot of shout outs. Joel is a newer player. It's his second ever Legion tournament, I believe. Sorry if I got that wrong, Joel. The first Legion tournament he came to was ours. It's his third, is it, Curtis? Yeah, he was Holly Jolly as well as CanCon, and this was his third one, yeah. Ah, of course, yeah. Well, he was his second C4. Because Holly Jolly spoiled us. Holly Jolly, he spoiled us with printing off all of the command cards for the new Battle Forces, sleeving them and having a set for every other player there. This is a new new player who'd never been to an event. It's like, here you go, here's some more prize support. We were blown away. He outdid himself this time by bringing in a box of Inferno Squad, a box of Leia. Oh, what, was the th- what was the third box? There was oh, it was Yoda, Black I Suns. think. No, it was Black Suns. Black Suns. Black, Black oh, Suns wow. and Yoda. Oh, Yoda was from Pat, yeah. I think. Pat also. brought Yoda, maybe? Where was... Oh. Pat, Pat. So shout out to Could Pat as well. as well. Big shout out to everybody. <laughs> but he just blew us all away with how much he gave. And, and we've never had a, C4 has never had a uh, policy of having participation prizes. It just gets a little bit too expensive. But Joel made sure that every single person at least got to browse the table and choose between getting a voucher or getting a unit or a box. It was fantastic. So yeah, thank you. Thank you, Joel. Thank you. So on the day, uh, what did you guys run? Curtis, what did you run for the day? Well, after last week's chat about my brush with Blizzard Force, I decided to change it to a Blizzard Force list and went well first game. Unfortunately, confidence got the better of me and I played stupid the next two games, but I know I can use it. I know I could do well with it didn't have my stereotypical troops in there, which we'll talk about a bit later, but, um, you know, I enjoyed it. I can see, see why it's a strong archetype, but I can see that it still has to be used by someone with a certain level of experience for it to definitely win a tournament. Uh, how'd you go, Dan? (laughs) (laughs) Well, as a recipient of the wooden spoon, I didn't go too well, but, um, just to, Go back to Blizzard Force though. I've never played it, and it does. I I know it cops a lot of flack for being just a tournament crusher at the moment, but it does look like a lot of fun. You're running four speeder bikes, 
the move at speed three, they've got that compulsory move as well. Like, did you find yourself enjoying that aspect of the Blizzard Force curse with the, all the Look, speeder bikes? The cost efficiency for troops was the icing on the cake and the speeder bikes were the actual cake itself. They were so much fun. And I mean, I even had to borrow some from Adam, which he then let me keep anyway, because he wants to stay away from Blizzard. Um, but absolutely, 100%. It's even though I don't have the skill level of some of the guys that were there on the day because they've played for so long, I still had such a ball using that list. It was so much fun with practice. Yeah, I'll get there, but still thoroughly enjoyed it. You really need to try it, Dan. No, don't try it. I'm worried about what you'll do to everyone if you do. Blizzard pause at slash then. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I won't do it. I won't do it. Um, but yeah, at this event, I was running Iden and Boba Fett. And Iden's kind of just in there doing her thing with the sniper. But for me personally, like Boba Fett is just so much fun to play. He's just, yeah. Speed three, super mobile, super aggressive. He, he gets the job. And you done. had such a rough go out of it, especially in the first round. So I paired up first round, and I misclicked on the actual software, and it deleted the first round. I had no idea where it went, and I go, "Well, Daniel was versing. He ended up versing the guy who won, Mitchell. I'm going to butcher Mitchell's last name here. I should have asked him, Mitchell Kazmirik." crack no that's not it uh apologies to mitchell but you, so the first time that i the first time that i drew the <laughs> the rounds you were versing mitchell k and i screwed him up and i'm like damn it that would have been such a good little matchup paired him again now originally you were versing mitchell k on table one and it went oh daniel versus mitchell k on table eight and i'm like oh i'm so sorry i tried dan i tried but yeah, you, you had you had someone who is going to Worlds <laughs> with his Worlds list, which we won't mention what it is for privacy of the user. And looking at the two lists, I'm like, oh, Daniel, Daniel's got this. What went wrong, mate? Oh, well, we both played really well, I would say. Um, the dice weren't in <laughs> either of our favours. And yeah, it was a solid match right up into the end. And I think there was this one crucial moment where... I rolled some dice expecting get to get hits and I had the aim token and I just wasn't able to get that final blow through, which I think might have uh, cost me. But at the same time, I think Mitch had a pretty solid lead going into those round five, round six. So, But it, again, it was a very enjoyable game. So it was a good yeah, match. Awesome to hear, awesome to hear. Now, we did a little bit of an experiment on the day. Uh, where we had Curtis, who is a newer player, run Blizzard. And we had Patrick, who is like a, like a medium, like he's been playing for a little while now. He's gotten a lot better at his, at his game. He was also running Blizzard Force. Yeah, and um, how did that first round pairing go in regards to not just Dan, but the rest of us? Please explain. Yeah, so that first round pairing had both our Blizzard Force players, Curtis and Pat, versing each other, and I, I laughed. You probably got to heard it. I laughed. I thought, this is going to be so good. When I lost that pairing, 
it didn't pair you guys back up and i was so tempted to edit it to it i'm like no nah, that's a slippery slope i'm not gonna do that but like it was a legitimate mistake that i made getting rid of the getting rid of the pairings i'm going need like you know new event software still learning what i'm doing so we yeah, wouldn't have blamed you if you did it anyway to be honest <laughs> we both called that you were going to do it because no one knows but i think 80 percent of the tournaments i've played where pat's been a participant we've matched first round every time anyway oh wow okay yeah <laughs> it would have been good i think it would have been a very interesting match and a big learning experience for both of you but patrick went pretty well he went he went two and one uh lost to mitch in the final well in the third match i should say uh but he had kind of similar thoughts on, on blizzard that it's it is really strong and it's you're able to make mistakes with it and still be okay because typically with legion like the more mistakes you make probably the more you're going to lose and and a good player will notice those mistakes and capitalize on them but it's really hard to capitalize on them when it's one speed of like you've made a mistake with and you've still got three others uh but we will get to your games in a sec curtis when we talk about your submarining off the elo ranking but yeah, anything else about the day, guys, you want to mention? Any any shout outs? Anything else you want to talk about on our biggest Legion event? Well, yeah, just really enjoyed it. Like, there's a lot of really excited people for Slash. The chat went absolutely crazy after the event about everyone is already looking forward to it and everyone is already saying, this is what I want to run at Slash. This is what I want to do at Slash. So just the excitement about everyone being able to put something else on the table. It's so infectious and I wish I could make it. I can't make it for other reasons, but yeah. And post day, you know, yeah, it's tiring, but it's so worth it. Like setting everything up, getting there that bit earlier and everything. But at the end of the day, you just leave so satisfied. It's, it's so infectious. And yeah, I, I think you touched on it earlier, Adam. But the way we do the pricing structure where if you go undefeated, you get that top prize. But having lost that first match going into the tournament, I kind of lost that stress about worrying, all right, I've got to go for that 3-0. and So those following games, I actually had an absolute blast. Um, I went up against uh, two kind of newer, newer players to C4 as well. And yeah, throughout the the whole experience, I think we're just having a laugh and just throwing dice. It was fantastic. I think we've had quite a few new recruits join us recently as well, which has been great to see for the game. Fantastic. Just for the people at home, Curtis, can you just let everyone know what Slash is? Well, as a Legion community we love the idea of bringing a certain amount of events to everybody that's interested and we've got so many guys that are so keen to join us whenever we run something so we've got another event coming up in april and slash is the name i'm pretty sure we've still got one or two spots left currently how many have we got left adam we have officially one spot left uh, I am thinking about playing though. We're looking at doing a, maybe a different structure as far as TOing the events. One thing that we always said when we started running events was we don't really want to become forever TOs. So we're kind of putting together a, this is how we might TO the event plan. Whether it works or not, we don't know yet. And that's kind of the cool thing about the C4 events is 
I think we learn something every single time we play. But I'm hoping to play. But if not, we've still got one spot left and we'll see how we go with it. But it's turning out to be our biggest event ever. We've bumped it up to 20 spots. Which going from 14 to 16 to 20, I think we started around 10 for our first one and maybe eight for the one before that. We've just been growing, growing, growing. 20 players does mean there is a chance for three undefeateds. But lads, I've got a couple of ideas up my sleeve about what we can do about that. So we we still go with the three trophies. So three signed undefeated trophies. And if there's only two people who go undefeated, we'll give the third place person a defeated trophy. We'll just, we'll just cross out that un. Here you go. You could have done it, but you didn't. You know, they can go undefeated. <laughs> that's a that's a great idea love it but i think there was a bit of chat about slash being perfect for some of the dads in the group too because it falls in school holidays so you're looking at the 15th of april which is wonderful for some of the dads they can take the kids out you know mum can maybe visit with the kids for lunch because we always have a great lunch break we set everyone up nice communal table great laughs and we dive back into it or they can meet them for dinner at the end of the day if dad can stay awake long enough to eat dinner with the kids but we'll see where we end up that explains our guest list then for the event because there's actually a lot of sydney-based dads who are coming so yeah that's that's awesome to hear that's that's interesting curtis maybe it's something we need to look at in the future see we're learning more c4 always learning i would say never do it on a long weekend though they never do it a long weekend. <laughs> we learned that one. <laughs> that's death by attendance for a TO, to be honest. It's one of the biggest lessons to learn. If you ever TO any system whatsoever, please don't pick a long weekend. Not unless you're running a three-day event. Yeah, 100%. So, uh, thanks for your final thoughts on the event, guys. A little bit of post-event things. There's been a little bit of talk about actually banning Blizzard. And I thought we could have that discussion on the podcast rather than offline because what tends to happen in our event team is I'll have an opinion, Curtis will probably share the opinion, and then Daniel will just have his own opinion. We're both like, yeah, that's probably fair, actually. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're mean. So from my point of view, I think Blizzard is an NPE, not because of the people playing it. I actually think it's a high skill cap list. But I think the audience is sick of it and they don't want to have to tech for it. But what do you guys think, Curtis? I think you kind of nailed the reason why people think it's an MPE. Think of the radio, right? You get that one hit song and this is why no one listens to the radio anymore. They use Spotify and other, other apps. They get sick of hearing the same thing seven times in the hour. Now, when you're going to an event and you sit there and the first thing everyone does is when the rounds go up, first pairings are done, they might finish their first match, they have a look at other people's lists. If they haven't been opened prior to the first round, they have a look at everyone's lists. And depending on the people and depending on their past play experiences as well, some people who haven't played Blizzard yet, and there still are some, they're like, oh, well. But then there are people who have had negative experiences against Blizzard Force where they've been absolutely demolished. But 
Sometimes it's by a high skilled player who just knows how to run anything. They sit there and go, oh, not Blizzard again. Like, it is interesting. To me, at the level I'm at, I think it's a great list to start with for a beginner player. I think it's, like you said before, Adam, it does allow that little margin of error here and there where that beginner player can still enjoy the game without getting absolutely demolished. Uh, like you destroyed me in one of our first games with a bunch of B2s against my ATST. It allows you to make that couple of mistakes. It allows you to then readjust the following round and try and approach the game a different way. It allows for you to actually finish a game with a bit of positivity. But I do, I do feel like, you know, the radio analogy, you see it too much. You do get sick of it. How about you, Dan? Yeah, so we do hear about Blizzard a lot, but when you think about it, at our recent events, there hasn't actually been that much Blizzard Force. We've had a couple of Blizzard Force from players where we've been actually <laughs> encouraging them to play it because it's a good list to play. Um, or because you want us to get better. <laughs> and it was just interesting seeing how you guys went with it too and seeing if it really did elevate yeah. your play, and I really think it did. But I'm hoping then you can then sideline that into just a more personalized list. But yeah, Dan, what were you saying? Ban or no ban? No ban. Um, I'm of the mindset of play what you want to play, freedom to the player. If they want to have fun playing Blizzard Force, they can they can play it. Um, realistically, there's not actually that many Blizzard Force players um, at our events. Most of them are pretty uh, casual, I'd say. There's not many too. There's not many big meta chases uh from from our group so i feel like most of the time you're gonna have a good time and if a player wants to play blizzard force all, all right so i think you've just all but confirmed it daniel always changes the minds of everyone else because as soon as you like power to the players i'm like absolutely i'm with you power to the players i'd also like to confirm that i'll be running blizzard force at slash and <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I'll also be playing Blizzard Force at I'm Slash. I'm going to get Dark Troopers in there as well. We'll see how they go. <laughs> speaking about Dark Troopers and speaking about Slash, let's talk about getting Curtis off the bottom of the ELO ranking table for Legion, our horribly named segment. Now, if you've got a better name for this segment, get it into our Discord, send us an email. We'll give you all the details in the show how you can contact us. But yeah, I want to I want to see some better names. I think my favourite so far has been Curtis and the ELO submarine. Uh, but I'm I'm happy to hear others. I think that's actually hilarious. Curtis, tell us about your games. Tell us about your first game that you won. Honestly, it was probably up there with the top two games I felt I've played in terms of strategy. How the how how the objective deck fell on the table and the practice with some of you guys as veteran players looking at it, I analyzed it and went, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know what I want. I could see bombing run was in an excellent spot on the objective set. I didn't care about deployment at that point. I didn't care about conditions. I just went, this is how I'm going to manipulate bombing run. So I passed my first turn, my opponent 
got rid of a deployment card. I got rid of the one before bombing run. So then my opponent only had two choices, give me bombing run or give me hostage. And I was running Vader. So do you really want me to take hostage and hemmed in? Or do you want me to take bombing run and battle lines? That was their only choice left. So they made it battle lines and bombing run. And with four speeder bikes, I knew exactly what I had to do. Yeah, that's the strength of Blizzard is going, here's my deck. Uh, good luck. <laughs> You've got very little way out of this that you're going to enjoy. And sometimes when you when you shuffle that deck and, yeah, hostage and bombing run's the last two, it's like, oh, GG. <laughs> okay, so you, your first game went well. Yep. So now, the funny thing was you told me to adjust my list about 12 hours out from the actual day starting and uh, the five-point bid you helped me get actually helped because the guy I played against was running the same bid that I would have had if I didn't make that <laughs> slight adjustment on two upgrade cards. So it gave me the deck I needed. He was running Torns. The Torn Torns, for the sake of it, actually did do well in Bombing Run and Battle Lines. They did do well, uh, but I managed to hold him at bay. The next two games, so the second game was against some Dark Troopers and it was exceptional. Um, very difficult to get through, especially when Dark Troopers were rolling exceptional defense dice. They never blanked. And I blame Adam for this one because every time he came past our table, my opponent was rolling his defense dice and every single time Adam came past, he nattied full saves or surge to save, one or the other. <laughs> Now, your opponent was Matt O, and he has... Big shout-out to Matt. He's such a nice guy. He's got such nice tables. He is a massive troll as well online, and I love it because he does really uh, really harmless things. Like, he had his daughter painting a, a limited-edition Skywalker from Legion, and the American chat just went off about it. And I knew I could just see the look on his face of just a big smile, just not caring. But yeah, he he ran the Dark Troopers and Palpatine. He he was also another one of our undefeated players. What a great little architect, arch, yeah, archetype. But oh, outstanding! In that absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> in that second game, was your your deployment was disarray, and you split not only troopers and but you split bikes as well, didn't you? Yeah. So what I did was in one corner, I deployed both of my heavy response teams. Oh, no, sorry. Apologies. There's only one. Actually. So I, it was hostage exchange and I had no choice. I'm, I'm not going to use a heavy response as my hostage carrier. So I had to use my snow units and they were naked. So I was already starting... A little harsh on that one because I've only got four bodies there and he used his uh, his black sons who were loaded to the teeth. So he had courage three. He's got like six bodies on the, on the table and I just sat there and went, okay, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be ridiculous. And I looked at it and I thought, maybe if I pair up two units of speeder bikes in one corner, two in the other corner, and I use them to try and sort of come out wide and then flank into the middle of the field. I can try and pinch a couple of these units. Great in theory, but the dice- Arguably, yeah. The dice hurt me 
badly. I think if it wasn't an armor troop in the Dark Troopers, it may have gone a lot better. But when you're surging to hit, I highly recommend you do not follow that strategy ever again because things did slowly melt. But it did help to an extent. It made him split his fire or made him draw attention otherwhere, other places. But there was some really good advice you actually gave me, Adam, at the end of the game about improvements I could make. Would you like to share that with everyone? A bit of that drop of wisdom? Just for disarray on that deployment and that objective, put a sacrificial unit of snowtroopers in one of, in in the off deployment, and that's it. Because I think I I, can't, I was watching you deploy, and in me, you know, the guy who's been trying to you know help you learn legion and things like that, just wanted to be like, no, 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 like don't do that. I couldn't. And it's exactly what Matt did, didn't he? He put a he put a naked trooper unit, or maybe with a heavy or whatever. But he put one unit in that off deployment, and you killed it like first first go. It's the sacrificial lamb that you have to put out there for that deployment mm. type. Uh, and then not having all of your bikes go into those either choose darks or everything else, which is kind of hard. But I remember midway, I think it was towards the end of your match, you had like a speeder bike right in his army. I could just tell you were just over it. The game's ended and you're just going for ham. But yeah, that would be my only um, bit of advice for that one. But in your third game, was it Disarray as well? <sighs> yep, couldn't avoid it. Uh, and how many troopers did you put in the off deployment? Oh, I can't. I can hardly. It was Deuce. It was two as well because Vader came up. I think after. I did two. Yeah, it was. It was one heavy response, one snow unit. First time playing against a lat, so that was really interesting. Great learning experience with the lat. Goodness, it can punch, but I needed to get my bikes in on top of it a bit better than how I did. I didn't manage my bike. By the end of that game, like we said, I was in relaxation mode at that point. I'd had yeah, a couple yeah. of beverages by then. I knew where I was. I've played against uh, Alex a couple of times before, and I just went, you know what? Let's have a bit of fun. He brought Vader Commander. I brought Vader Operative. I was like, let's see what happens. And admittedly, my Vader just stood there limping around on one leg for half of it, like the guy from uh, Holy Grail and Monty Python. But yeah. He taught me a lot of great lessons. Just watching him play taught me a lot of great lessons about the type of archetype I'd really love to try in the future because I really would like to move over to Rebels because I've got a mm -hmm. bit of time between now and when I'm going to play my next like competition time. So I've got about, mm -hmm. about two to three months before I'm going to have a chance to play another weekend competition just because I've got a kid on the way. So I've got to dedicate myself, be a good dad, Yay. and earn those, earn those points to get the week, the, the, that weekend day off. But uh, I really want to, I'm enjoying force users and I know I'm going to move to Rebels. So seeing that transport use was great to physically see firsthand and see how someone manages a force user, someone who's got experience with it and a transport. Yeah, yeah, he, he was really good, especially at that pre-measuring. Now, to round off the segment, can you give me your two takeaways from the day? One be really patient and don't get sucked in. That was probably my biggest problem with the speeder bikes. I knew what they could do. I knew what I wanted them to do, but I tried to make it happen faster than it should have. And I really needed to play a little bit smarter with them 
in the second and third game. I needed to emulate what I did in the first game more often. Second one would be pay more attention to my deployment and stick to my initial plan. Don't change my mind halfway through because I think that was why I deployed the way I did. I deployed with a plan. My opponent then deployed to counter said plan. And then I Mm. changed my mind halfway through and that's why I split my forces, which I just need to stick to my gut and go, right, my opponent's not deploying perfectly based on how I'd like it to be, but angle my bikes this way instead. So I've got options, set these troops up over here. So I've still got options, but stick to the, stick to the initial plan a lot better. So, but I did beat someone higher on the ELO ladder than me. So that's a positive. (laughs) Now to end our Imperial March chat, I did some predictions at the start of the, before the tournament, asked some people to fill in a form with some predictions. Now, I think we could probably both guess, or I think we can all three of us guess who the two, who the two people were best ranked, like people most predicted to go undefeated. That's Mitchell K and Steve Gibb. Now, Steve didn't get up to be undefeated. Obviously, Matt, Matt got up. I want you guys just take one guess who the third most voted player was to go undefeated. Well, it's got to be Patrick, right? That's, that's your guess, Curtis? <laughs> Did everyone take a stupid stab at it being me? Joel. I think we've talked Joel up too much, boys, because he were, he had four votes for him to go undefeated <laughs> on the day. I think we've talked him up too much. Uh, like, yeah, he is, he is the world champ, but... Uh, He's yeah, the so TO Terminator. Was... Well, now, the other question I had on there was, who's going to win more matches? Against so we had a bit of a Camino invasion. The guys from the Camino, uh, fresh off Camino, came to our tournament, and I said in the official C four versus Camino matches, who's going to win more? And there was a heavy, heavy voting for C four, but I am ashamed to announce that Camino won more games than C four on the day. They they had a successful invasion. Uh, it's the main reason why I'm going to have to play Slash. I think I'm going to have to come out of retirement and uh, and defend and defend the. Is is that the end of the <laughs> podcast then? Like we've we've got to. They're going to hijack the podcast. I beat a Camino guy, so I managed to hold up our end. Yeah, you, thank you. Thank so you for doing your we need to notes, isolate yeah. these blokes that lost to Camino, and we need to do a little training camp. I think. Uh, look, I, I have taken them all aside and spoken to them, and and, and they know, they understand. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get into our listener questions for the week. If you want to write a listener question to us, you can either join our Discord. We have a little special spot for podcast questions. Or you can email roundsareup at gmail.com. Curtis, do you want to read out the first question and who it's from? So first question is from Jacob, and his is regarding objectives, deployments, and condition cards. It's been a while since we've had any new ones released. Can you think of any cards that you feel mechanically might be missing or could be interesting? And I think we touched on this a bit earlier, but I think what I might ask is be specific about something. Is there anything that's a gut feeling to us that we feel the game potentially is missing and could do with? I mean, I've got personal thoughts about other systems, but we're looking at Legion here because Jacob's one of our Legion guys. So Dan, how about you? Is there anything gut feeling wise you feel 
could come to Legion in terms of these three types of cards that are core to the game mechanic? Oh, definitely adding in new objectives, new ways to play the game, but don't necessarily detract from what Legion already is. It's already an established game. We we know and love the how it plays and everything. So we don't want to change it too much, but having some spicy little uh, objectives in would definitely be pretty nice. I'd like to see a little bit of uh, random elements be brought in. So perhaps you've got to secure an objective, but at the end of every round, kind of similar to Minefield, perhaps that objective is a bomb or perhaps that objective yeah, it sticks you in place or there's something negative about having it so you can have more units around it to secure it, but there might be a, a slight negative thing, you know, whether it's one wound or two suppression, just a little something just to just to add a little bit of randomness in. That's a really good one, actually. I like the concept of that. And the first thing that popped in my head was the concept of a condition token, booby trap, have objective markers and roll a dice to decide what condition happens when you enter range one of that objective marker and line of sight. So similar to minefield, but it could be an immobilized token. It could be an ion charge. It could be anything, but you won't know until you roll the dice. So you could take the gamble to run that little avenue where it's been placed, but you have no idea until it actually happens. I like the idea of randomness. I think that's a really good good way to go. Yeah, I think I'll add a little bit of fun, but on the flip side as well, I would like to see, uh, especially with intercept the transmissions, I would like to see any unit, including vehicles, be able to secure that objective. I think making the objectives a little bit more agnostic to what you bring would also be a nice way to make the game a little bit more dynamic. Dan, do you want to read out our second uh, question? And thank you to Jacob for that first question. Do you want to read out the second question and who? Uh, so it's actually my round three opponent and it's Nick, AKA Boldum on Discord. Um, we actually had a fantastic game and he's a new player and he managed to walk away from the event with a box of Inferno Squadron exactly, thanks yeah. to Joel. So I think Nick was pretty stoked. He was, he was very I actually ran into him at the shops the next um, day because he lives like around the corner from me. And he, yeah, he's like, I'm really <laughs> tired, but no, but he was really happy with the event. We had a really good time. So yeah, we're doing a lot of shout outs today. I guess that's always going to happen post event, but shout out to Nick. Hope you're listening. <laughs> if not, why not? but yeah, we'll get on. <laughs> um, Nick actually had a good question. So as a new player with limited knowledge, what's an underrated faction for Legion? What do you reckon, Curtis? As, as a new player, is there anything that really stands out for you that you would like to see more, that you think should be seen more of? Honestly, I do feel, I feel like, Rebels don't see as much as I think they can see. We do see, and obviously I'm speaking from only the places I've been and the tournaments I've been to, but you see plenty of Empire. That's, that's without a doubt, hands down, you see plenty of it. You see plenty of CIS in terms of representation. Clones fluctuate depending on the player base you've got at a tournament, but 
the rebel contingent seems to sort of stay around the same amount. It's like, for me, from what I've personally experienced, I think I've been to about six different tournaments from, you know, 10 to 16 people up to as many as 55 people at a tournament. I've, I've only ever seen maybe about 15, 20% of a, of a total tournament made up of rebels at most. And it's the faction I'd love to get into next. I can see so much fun with them, but yeah, I, I feel like they don't get explored enough. And I think it's, do we think it's the access to bounty hunters? Do we, maybe, I don't know. So how about you, Adam? What, what's your view on it? I think on rebels, I don't think they have a cheap, useful core like empire does. That mortar for empire, being able to shoot at range four, they don't have that. Like they have that uh, range three turret, which is my personal favorite target when it's in an enemy list. Like, I'm going to kill that first. That thing is going to die first. Oh, yeah, you've done like, it to me every single time. <laughs> um, at the day, we actually had a really good mix. Republic was the lowest. Rep actually, well, Shadow Collector was the lowest represented with zero. Uh, followed by Republic. I would like to see more Shadow, but I want to see, I want Shadow to be given something else. Just a little something. Uh, one of the bounty hunters, that's not Bosk or Cad. Uh, that's that's what I would like to see as far as underrated factions. Hondo Dan, and Arca, what maybe. Wanna, what do you want to see more, Dan? I think I'm with you with Shadow Collected. They kind of released it and it was so hot for that first few months, but then it kind of just fell off. Like everyone was expecting to, for every event just to be Shadow Collective. With They've got the Shadow Collective Mole, who's an absolute menace <laughs> to verse. I think personally with the Darksaber, probably one of the strongest force uses in the game. But I think it is that lack of variety at the moment that's really hurting them. It's, uh, you play Mole and your Pikes, you got your Gar Saxon, your Mandos, and that's it. <laughs> I'd like to see more. Do you think it's because that faction lends itself to so many other factions as well? So you can take the Black Suns, the Pikes, and just slide them into some of the other archetypes with Empire, etc. And that's why you don't see them. Do you think they're just such great little bolstering units for others that have cheaper options to surround them with? Do you think that's the reason, Dan? Oh, certainly. Um, I think we had our Australian Nationals pretty much shortly after uh, the Shadow Collective came out and a lot of people were expecting the Shadow Collective. But then, as you said, like all of the armies that were participating, it was... They just fed off the Shadow Collective minis. So there's a lot of pikes added into Empire lists or clone lists. Pikes, pikes fit in everywhere. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would like to see maybe some more Shadow Collective units. So maybe a minis. lack of synergy in them? Uh, kind of like the Supermanders. Lack of synergy maybe in terms of the internal I don't Shadow think there's any lack of synergy. I don't think there's any lack of synergy in Shadow Collective when their commanders can just give out dodges and aims to all their mates. And that's really the problem with it. I ran Shadow Collective at Moab last year. I went in at Wintercon last year. It is so on rails. 
it's not funny. I was so over it by the end. And I ran it at the World Qualifiers as well. They just, they have a job and the leader's job is to give an aim and a dodge to their mates. The Pikes unit is to just spend their dodges and take more dodges. It can be a little bit, I guess, boring. And that's where I think a few extra hero units can come in. You know, I was kind of hoping a Sarge might even be in there. Like, you know, she kind of fits into that world. But that, yeah, that's why I hope, yeah, I see that underrated faction. But I, I think in the future, we're going to see more similar forces. Like, I won't be surprised if we see a, eventually we see a Kylo Ren and the First Order Battle Force, and there's only really a few units, and that, that's it. And, you know, that, that's all you get. The last question we have today is, I believe this was from Matt. I don't think we wrote it down, but what's one unit you never see on the table but have a love for, either lore-wise or rule-wise, and wish you could take? Curtis, what do you want to take in Legion? Ooh. I mean, that's, that's, that's hard. I mean, being a newer player, yeah, absolutely. it's really hard for me to pick someone. I mean... Palpatine comes and goes, and for obvious reason, like he can be a great linchpin. But if you leave him in a spot where he can die, that's a lot of points you're using up as well. He's not exactly great at defense unless you've got his guards with him. I, f- I feel like, oh, it's so hard. <laughs> it's really really hard because i'm a really singular come back to me in a second let me think about it a little bit i think maybe dan should have a shot at this so i can think about what i really want to are we going with a unit that exists or even one that maybe we'd love to see become <laughs> no so my unit is droidicas i love the deckers i love how they look i love having little shield tokens i just hate how they play i was i ran them against our new guy nick in a bit of a teaching game the other night they are bringing some draw to get and they're just useless when you're getting like 1.5 hits over cover and with an aim it goes to like 2.5 it's it's not they're not good they need a little bit of help they need anything to can help them but that would be yeah that's that that would be my unit what about you dan for years, for years now, ever since the inception of Legion, it's been the Pathfinder. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I reckon it's such a fantastic unit. Uh, it's so cool lore-wise as well. They've got fantastic, fun keywords. They've got the Infiltrate keyword, the Danger Sense. They should work, but you don't really see them that much. There are a lot of points. Um, and yeah, if you blank on those white defense, that's uh that's it for you. Um we saw we saw them come back a bit with Biston, and I think for a time there they did have their their moment, but again I think they've just gone back into hiding, ready to infiltrate once more. <laughs> I just decided to have a little bit of a look to see what sort of rung a bell in me. And the combat assault tank in Empire. Now, I had a conversation with Adam late last year. And you guys, you were at Moab with me and you said straight out, you went, if you could pick anything on that prize table, what would you pick? And we looked at it and there was a set of shore troopers. 
and there was a combat assault tank. I turned around and I said to Adam, I said, which one's better to take if you want to try and be competitive? And Adam said, honestly, the combat assault tank is a lot of fun to use, but it doesn't see a lot of high level competition or a lot of high level use. And then I saw one, I've only ever seen one in person. It looks so cool. And just looking at the card, wow, I think I would really like to see that used a little bit more. I'm kind of tempted to go get one and try and use it myself now. Yeah, chuck a unit of dark troopers on it and it can transport them around and just murder everything it finds. Like, <laughs> Well, you don't need Gideon's card for that, do you? You can get them there straight away. We didn't really get to mention dark troopers, but I think we'll get to that next week. Uh, we have one final question there. Daniel, do you want to read that out for us? How do we Look, beat Unfortunately, Joel? Dan, we don't have enough time to talk about that today, so we're going to leave it there. We're out of time for the Rounds Are Up podcast. I want to thank my co-hosts, Curtis and Daniel. Thank you, boys, for being on. Pleasure to be here as always. Yeah, good fun. I want to thank everyone who came to Imperial March. I'm sorry if not all of you got a shout-out, uh, but thank you guys so much for supporting us and enjoying our events and talking about our events. It means a lot. Thank you all for listening about us go on about Imperial March. Um, and you can come and find this welcoming and helpful C4 squad on our Discord, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube streams. All the links for those are in our show notes. Take care, roll well, and as always, C4! C4! Good night, everyone. Thank you all for listening to the Rounds Are Up podcast by C4 Squad. Make sure to give us a review on your platform of choice and hope all of your roles are natty crits. Thank you and goodbye.